0: double-minded man is unstable in all his ways it means to have half a mind on God and half a mind on the world half a mind on God's promises half a mind on the world's problems and as long as you have a mind here and a mind there you're no good for anyone listen today we're going to pick up sort of where we left off last week Last week, I began a sermon series entitled Praying with the Giants, a three-part sermon series, and there were two words from last, last Sunday's sermon. Do you remember what those two words were? Say them. Pray big. Pray big. Learn how to pray big. You know, to me, it's sad that not enough Christians are praying big. They're praying for this little thing and that little thing, and praise the Lord, they're praying for those, but there ought to be something on their prayer list that is so big, it's kind of scary. That's so big that only God could do it. You know, the opening of the Red Sea was something only God could do, right? And this is the sort of thing that we Christians need to include into our daily prayer lists. Something so big that only God could do it. In Psalm 77, verse 14, it says, Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Now, what that teaches us is that God is big. We serve a big God. And so when we pray big, we are honoring Him. You are honoring God when you pray for something so big that only He could do. It brings Him honor. Now, our subject today follows hand in glove with the subject of praying big. And the two words for today, pray believing. Pray believing. Please say those two words with me now. Pray believing. The first two words, say them. Pray big. Words today, pray believing. Now it's going to do us no good to pray big if we cannot pray believing. Does that make sense? It follows hand in glove here. Back in 1924, a Bible college in... um, Texas called the Dallas Theological Seminary. Can you guess what town in Texas they were in? If you guess Dallas, you're right. The Dallas Theological Seminary started up in 1924. But it came to a point of bankruptcy. It almost folded. They owed a lot of money. The creditors were ready to foreclose at 12 noon on a particular day. And so it didn't look good for the Bible college. There was a lot of grim faces And Christians were praying. And even on the very day of foreclosure, in that morning, gathered in the founder and president's office were the the board of directors, the founding members of the, the Bible College. Amongst them was Dr. Harry Ironside. Dr. Harry Ironside knew how to pray big. And so they were praying, they were on their knees praying. And when it came turn for Dr. Harry Ironside to pray, here's what Dr. Harry Ironside prayed. He said, Lord, he said, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Won't you please sell some of those cattle and give us the money? And that's how he prayed. About that time, Into the front office of the Dallas Theological Seminary, walked this tall, cool Texan guy, cowboy boots, and he said, Howdy. Howdy to the secretary. And he told her, I just sold two truckloads of cattle, and I've tried to do a business deal, but it won't go through. And I think God's telling me now to give that money to your college. I don't know if you could use it or not, but here's the check. And the secretary thanked him and went right away, knocked gently on the door of the president's office where they were all on their knees praying. Dr. Lewis Sperry Schaefer, the Ferry founder and president, answered the door himself. And they were being a bit quiet. He opened the door and the secretary said, this was just dropped off for the college. And Dr. Uh, Lewis Berry Schaefer took the, the check and he looked at it. And he looked over at Dr. Ironside and he said, Harry, God sold the cattle. That's a true story. We hear these exciting answers to prayer because men and women dare. To pray big and pray believing. So today, we are going to learn how to pray believing. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me right now and let's have a word of prayer together first. Our dear loving Heavenly Father, with all our hearts, we thank you for your grace and goodness. Lord, we praise you that we can be here in this building here today. We thank you for everyone who's gathered in person and online. We thank you for the whole church family. Our Father, it's our prayer that you would teach us how to pray believing. It's our prayer, Father, that you would lay on our hearts to pray for something so big that it's almost scary, that only God can do it. Help us as your people to pray for your honor and glory and pray believing, for we ask it all in that wonderful, lovely, matchless name of jesus and all god's people said amen hey folks in case you don't know when we say the words all god's people said then you respond by saying what Amen. amen right the word amen means so be it it puts your stamp of approval on it it's a good word praise the lord well now your bible is open in mark chapter 11 would you open up there, please? Mark chapter 11. And we have before us here an exciting story. It was here that the disciples learned one of the most amazing secrets to powerful praying and to being a prayer warrior, a prayer giant. And the secret they learned was this. You must believe that you will receive what it is you're praying for. I'll say it again. You must learn To believe that you will receive that for which you are praying. You know, the most common thing in the world is doubt. That's the most common thing in the world, doubt. Doubt leads to quitting. It always does. It leads that way anyhow. And that's why so many people quit good things. I think some people quit churches. Also, because too many doubts arise in their heart and mind. God made a promise to old Abraham that he was going to father a son. Now, old Abraham was old. That's why we call him old Abraham. He was so far beyond being able to have a son. But did he doubt God? The answer is no. He did not doubt God because in Romans chapter 4, it says... He, meaning Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Abraham believed God. You know that. You've read that in the Bible. Now, come with me now and look at a father who was trying to believe, but he was nagged with doubts. In Mark, go back to chapter number 9, would you please? Just a page or two behind. Chapter 9, please look with me at verse number 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Now, in case you're not sure what that means, there was a demonic spirit involved. And the demonic spirit did things to the boy. And it was just horrible. And so he brought his boy to Jesus. Um, He said in verse 18, And wheresoever he taketh him, that's the, the spirit takes my boy, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now look at verse number 22. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire, and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Take your pencil or pen and underline those words in your Bible. They should be highlighted or underlined if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears. Now he hadn't cried to this point, but Jesus touched on something that made him weep. He said, he, it says here, he cried with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. This father was very serious what he was saying. He was having such trouble with his boy and he wanted desperately more than anything for someone, the disciples or Jesus or someone to cast the demon out of the boy. And so he comes to Jesus and says, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Then Jesus answers him and said, well, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. The key there is believing. And this father had within him two things. He had belief and he had doubt. That's why he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. He was struggling with a double mind. He was struggling with, with two forces within him. I believe, I want to believe, but oh, I'm not sure and I doubt, but I do believe, but no, I'm, am, am I really confident? Back and forth he went and he cried, and this is what produced. I believe this is what produced the tears was the conflict, the struggle within him. He realized that he had a part to play here. If his boy was going to get healed of this demon, he had a part to play. He had to believe. And if he didn't believe, it meant that his boy would not be healed. And so he cried. It was real to him. It was a struggle. He cried real tears. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I'm so glad this is in the Bible because through it, God teaches us that we have within us belief and unbelief. We have struggles at times with doubts. It's very human, isn't it? Someone tells you something and you say, well, I doubt it. I doubt that. I'll believe it when I see it. We say things like that. Now, sometimes we have good cause to say it because we know the person talking to us, you know, is trying to yank our strings or fool us because they fooled us before. They may have given us good cause to doubt them. But listen, when it comes to God, when has he ever tried to pull your strings or fool you? When has he ever tried to offer you something and then take it away and say, just kidding. I saw on the news that a one young man got into serious trouble on the internet because it, it pictured him. Someone videotaped him. He came up and he offered a, a cell phone to a, uh, a young child. It wasn't like a two-year-old. I think the child was maybe uh, eight or something like that. And he offered to give the child a cell phone. And as the child reached out, he pulled it back away. He says, just kidding. And he walked away. Broke the kid's heart. Broke the kid's heart. And his face is on the internet. And, you know, his name is Mud now, I suppose. But when has God done that to you or to me? Humans do it. But when has God told us something and said, Sorry, you can't have that. Just kidding. I just wanted to see if you'd fall for it. When did God ever do that? He never has. And so that's why Jesus, God, could say, if thou believest, all things are possible to him that believest. Right? We need to learn to believe what Jesus tells us. Now, this is so important. Um, In chapter 11, if you go back there again, chapter 11, verse 23 Here's the Lord saying, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now that may have been the Mount of Olives. We don't have time to go into the context, but I think it was the Mount of Olives. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I'd like to suggest you take your pencil, underline, shall not doubt. Underline those words. Then underline, shall believe. Underline that. And then underline, he shall have. Underline those words so they jump off the page at you every time that you you look at it here. The devil knows how that doubting will destroy our prayers. The devil knows that. That's why he works so hard to get us to doubt. He'll bring all kinds of things to us, to get us to doubt. And by the way, this modern world we live in with all of the scams and all of the phony news and things like that, they, it fuels our tendency to doubt. It makes us into doubters. And so when we come to God's Word, we've got this baggage with us of doubt. We've got to get rid of that. When we come to praying, we need to pray big, but we need to pray believing. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it, God tells us, the effectual, fervent prayers. Yeah, it's all right. They're working. they're working with them. It's okay, folks. Everything's good. This is a great family. We love them. And they're just working with their boys. But in James chapter 5, verse 16, God tells us there, The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth, who knows, much. How would you like your prayers to avail much? Well, there's no reason why they can't. There's no reason at all. The effectual, fervent prayers. The effectual, fervent prayers. You see, this is how the giants pray, praying with the giants. This is how they do it. They are effectual and they are fervent because they pray believing. That's how they can do it. If you're praying with doubts all the time, you'll never ever pray effectual and fervent. It won't happen. It can't happen. You've got to get rid of the doubts somehow. You say, Pastor, how? How can we pray believing if we have doubts? If I have doubts in my heart, how can I pray believing? Which is a very good question. Here's the very good answer. We need to grow in faith. F-A-I-T-H, faith. We need to grow in faith, just like the giants. You say, the, the giants... Well, what did the giants have faith in? What is it that the giants put their faith in? These prayer warriors, these giants of prayer, what do they put their faith in? And the answer is God's promises. The word of God. That's where your faith goes. It's in the God's promises. And I intend to prove that to you today. Take your Bible, please, and turn to the right, to the book of 1 John, chapter 5. 1 John, chapter 5. First John, chapter 5. Now, I'd like you to help me read verse number 14. Can I call upon you, please? Just keep your seats. But I want you to read it together with me. John, first John, first John, not the gospel of John, but first John near the end of the Bible close to Revelation. Revelation. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Read it now out loud with me. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Notice the word confidence. Underline that word. This is the confidence. You know what this means? It means pray believing. It means... Confidently praying, knowing God is hearing you, knowing that you are going to get that for which you are praying. This is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything, according to His will. If you pray for things that will just glorify yourself, you're not going to get it. God's too loving and wise to give it to you. If you pray for something according to His will, then you can be sure of two things. Number one, he's heard you. Number two, you're going to get it. That's what the promise of God is. Has God ever pulled your strings? Has he ever lied to you? Has he ever cheated or tricked you? Answer is no. Not to one of us. Never, ever. So we can believe what he has to say. And God says, if we ask anything according to his will. Now you might say, well, pastor, how do we know if it's according to his will? Do I marry this girl or this girl? Do I marry this boy or this boy? Do I take this job or this job? How can I pray with confidence, knowing God's will? Boy, you sure ask a lot of good questions. I'm so glad you're here today. Wow. But the answer is so simple. We just keep praying. You say, I don't understand. You just keep at it. And over time, God will show you if, if he wants you to go here or there or marry this person or that person. You see, our problem is we're too quick. We make our decisions too quick. We pray. Did you pray about it? I prayed about it. And then it blows up in our face. But I prayed about it. Yeah, you didn't pray long enough. You just gave a quick prayer and off you went. No, no. You need to pray. Pray over days. Pray over weeks. Pray over months. Sometimes pray over years. This 104 building, I've been praying for for two years. And in those two years, I've had lots of opportunity to check my spirit and check my motives and check my purpose, reason for, for this. You get that building, boy, it's going to be a lot more headache for you, Pastor. It's going to be a lot more work. It's going to be a lot more things need to be prayed for. What do you want that building for? Because I have come to a point of believing that with that building, we can reach this city and this world far faster with that building we can do a whole lot more we can produce much fruit for god and that's the will of god is to produce much fruit and i've checked all my motives and everything it's not for self-glory but what if god doesn't want us to have that building i'm good with that i'm good with that whatever god wants that's what i want but so far he in two years of praying He's not said once. Stop praying for that building. He's not said once. I don't want that building. He's never said it. In fact, he's encouraged me. He's given me more faith. He's added more prayer warriors. I think that I'm praying God's will. And I'm just going to keep praying until God does otherwise. So that's on my prayer list. I want to encourage you to put it on your prayer list too. I think it's very, very important. Now, The answer to praying with confidence, praying, believing, is when you get right down to it, just believing what God says. That is the bottom line to this whole thing. I'll give you an example. For a man to be saved, born again into God's family, what has to happen? What must he do? Well, he must believe. Believe what? Believe what God says about his sin taking him to hell. He must believe that. And he must believe that Jesus is God come to the earth who died for that sin on the cross. A payment has been made and now he must believe that his part, that all he can do is to receive the payment for sin. Receive eternal life in the person of Jesus Christ. Receive Jesus Christ himself into his heart. According to God's word, if a man, woman, young, old anyone does that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved now we who are born again we understand this it's a simple truth for us for some people who are not saved it's a complicated truth they're not quite sure but for those of us who are saved we look back we understand that that's what happened to me it was what happened to you who if you're saved we say yeah we understand it the very same principle now applies when it comes to prayer We need to just believe what God says. All Christians need to do the same thing. Now, let's look at a couple of examples. You're in 1 John. Turn back to the Gospel of Matthew. Would you go there, please? Beginning of the New Testament, Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to prove to you in the next few minutes what I'm saying. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter number 14. I have to shake a leg here. We're all staying for a potluck lunch afterwards, aren't we? Yes, we're all staying, most of us. Okay, well, we're not in a that big a hurry. Don't worry, I'll get you out of here before tonight's service begins. So, uh, Matthew chapter 14. Here's an amazing story in verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. That's the Sea of Galilee. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answering and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. What a thing to ask. Have you ever wished you could walk on water? Come on now, really? Seriously? Sure, I have too, many times. I've tried it once, twice, a few times. It doesn't work. But here, Peter said, let me walk on the water just like you. Verse 29, and he, he, Jesus, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Wow, Peter walks on the water. Verse 30, but when he, that's Peter, saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou? What's that next word? Doubt. Why did you doubt? Wow. Go to the Gospel of Mark. In the very next Gospel, chapter 4, Mark chapter 4. Here's something else that happened on the Sea of Galilee. Mark chapter 4, look at verse 35. Mark four thirty five, and the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. So you see what Jesus said. Let's get in the ship, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus said it, not Peter, Jesus said it, God said it. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also uh, with him other little ships, and there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. So that doesn't sound good, does it? Being in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in a storm and your boat's full of water. And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they wake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? With Peter... Jesus told him one command, one word, come. Peter was to come to Jesus. I got a cute little dog named Charlie. And he's, he's part of the family. Sometimes I'll call Charlie. I'll say, come. I'll say, come, Charlie. And Charlie will come halfway. And then he'll start to do this yawn and this stretch. And then he'll sit down. You, what part of come don't you understand? Come! I got a treat for you. Come! Jesus said to Peter, Come! And so Peter starts to obey. He starts to come. And he's looking at Jesus and notices the the waves and notices more of the waves. And first thing you know, he's not looking at Jesus at all. He's looking at the waves. Down he goes because of his doubting and his fear. He He didn't... Obey the command. Jesus said, Come. That's all he had to do. The disciples in the boat were told what to do. Jesus, God in the flesh, said, Let's get in the boat, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. That was the command of God Almighty. So what? The boat's full of water. So what? It cannot, it cannot negate the command of God. God said, we're going to the other side. But we got all this water. Folks, that's where faith comes in. The faith. Now, it's easy for us to look back, you know, and to say, oh, they should have believed, right? That's easy for us. We probably would have pulled our hair out and screamed and jumped overboard. But truly, in hindsight, they heard the command of God. And they should have known nothing is going to stop the command of God. What God wants, God gets. God told us we're to go to the other side. Doesn't matter if there's water in the boat. Listen, you will never sink as long as Jesus is in your ship. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. You will never go down to a watery grave if Jesus, even if he's asleep, but he's in the boat. You can still make it over to the other side. These two stories show us absolutely Peter walked on water, but it was his own doubting that sunk his, uh, sorry the pun, but sunk his miracle. The disciples had Jesus in the boat, and it was their own doubting and fear that caused them to run and wake up Jesus and fear for their lives. I'd like you to turn to the book of James. This is going to be the last verse of Scripture we look at. The book of James is the, the other side of Hebrews, which is close to the end of the New Testament. So Hebrews, then James. And I'd like you to see this. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 5. Now here the promise is for wisdom. The very promise of God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it may be, might be given him, possibly given him. What does your Bible say? shall be given him. It shall be given him. Okay? You need wisdom on something at work, at school, in the family. You need wisdom, God's wisdom to do something. You're underneath the car or under the hood of the car and you need wisdom. If you will ask of God, He will give you wisdom. But there's a condition. Take a look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It means to have half a mind on God and half a mind on the world. Half a mind on God's promises. Half a mind on the world's problems. And as long as you have a mind here and a mind there, You're no good for anyone. You're double-minded. Should I go? Should I stay? Should I do this? Should I abstain? What should I do? You're double-minded. Double-minded. The answer is we have to ask in faith. You say, how? How do we overcome our doubts? The answer is by increasing your faith. That's how you overcome your doubts. You increase faith. You come into this auditorium and if it's all dark if it's all blackness and dark, you say, how do we get rid of this darkness? How do we do it? I have a friend who used to illustrate this. And he'd say, I know, go get a cardboard box. Yep, cardboard box, a big one. And bring it in the auditorium and scoop all that darkness into the box. Close the lid, take it out and dump it outside. Come back in and open the box and scoop some more darkness into the box. Take it outside and dump it. Now that sounds intelligent, doesn't it? How many have ever tried that? Don't raise your hand. How do you get rid of the darkness? You turn on the light. That's how you get rid of doubts. You increase the faith. You read your Bible. You pray. You get involved. You get serving God That increases faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and your doubts will melt away just like ice out in the bright sunlight will melt away. Your doubts will melt away when you increase the faith. Don't try to get rid of the doubts. Try to increase the faith. That is what will overcome your doubts. I hope that I'm making this as as clear as I can. Psalm 119, verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. Jesus himself in John 8, 32 said, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now we know that God wants us to pray big. We learned that last week. Today, I hope we're learning that that God wants us to pray believing. The problem is we all have some doubt within us that holds us back from fully Believing. But we also have learned that by increasing faith, we can decrease doubt. If I were to ask you, how long are you going to put up with your doubts? What would you say? Oh, the next 20 years. After 20 more years, then I won't have any more doubts. Is that what you would tell me? You'd probably say, I wish I could get rid of them yesterday. One of the, um, one of the fellas preached on, I think it was Pastor Silver, Pharaoh's pet frogs on a Wednesday. Remember that? How remember that sermon? All right, yeah, it was a good sermon. Still online if you want to watch it. Pharaoh's pet frogs. And the the point of it is that he was asked by Moses, okay, when do you want to get rid of the frogs? And what did Pharaoh say? He said, tomorrow. Tomorrow. He spent one more night with the frogs. If you had a bad cancer, and Jesus said to you, okay, when do you want to get rid of your cancer? And you said, tomorrow. Wouldn't we all kind of wonder about you a bit? I want to get rid of it right now, Lord. When do you want to get rid of your doubts? It can start today. You can start today. At the end of this preaching, we're going to have an old-fashioned invitation. You can come forward and get on your knees if you possibly can and pray and say, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Lord, from here on in, I'm going to start believing what you have written. I am going to do my best to increase faith. And Lord, help me to increase my faith. In fact, that's what the disciples once asked Jesus. They said, Lord, increase our faith. As our faith in the promises of God grows, we come to a place where we believe with all our heart that the power of God, the promises of God, overcome anything in this world there's nothing that can stand up to the promise and power of God this is what the prayer giants all did the power of God will prevent your ship from sinking everything depends on increasing our faith in the promises of God during the 1500s revival was breaking out across England Scotland and Europe at one point a woman named Mary Tudor was on the throne of England she hated all the Protestants She loved the Catholic Church and she became known as Bloody Mary for all of the blood that she shed of Christians who would not bow to the Roman Catholic Church. But there was a godly man in Scotland by the name of John Knox, K-N-O-X. And John Knox was a prayer giant. John Knox knew how to pray. John Knox knew how to pray big. He knew how to pray believing. And Mary Tudor was known to have said these words, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. John Knox prayed these words, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. And God used him to shake all of Scotland for Christ. And tens of thousands came to know Christ as Savior. It was during the early 1700s that a young Christian missionary named David Brainerd, physically weakened by tuberculosis, learned how to take God at his word and start praying for the salvation of the North American Indian people. Some nights, Brainerd would kneel in the snow... In the New England area of the the States in the wintertime, he would kneel in the snow and he would pray with such effectual fervency that his body, heat, and sweat would melt the snow all around him. Brainerd knew how to pray big. He knew how to pray believing. And as a result, thousands of Indians in America's northwest were brought to Jesus Christ. Back in the 1940s, a young Christian businessman named Stanley Tam wanted God to use him to reach the world through missions. And so Stanley gave his business to God. And he claimed by faith the promise in Deuteronomy 8.18, which says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. And Stanley Tam claimed that verse claimed that promise. He prayed believing and as a result over the years he was able to give many, many millions of dollars to missions and support missionaries and many people came to know Christ as Savior. John Nelson Hyde was born in 1865, the son of a minister. He learned the fervency of prayer in his home at the family altar. Now isn't that great? He was weak in health and partially deaf, but strong in spirit. John Hyde became known as Praying Hyde. where, as a missionary in India, he labored for the souls of the Indian people in numerous villages. And by 1899, Hyde was often on his knees until midnight or on his knees before the rising of the sun the next day, pleading with God for the salvation of Indian people. At one point, he spent 30 days and nights with God in earnest supplication and prayer. And as a result, God gave John Hyde thousands of salvations. People came to Christ. Prayer literally became John Hyde's meat and drink. And he prayed for one soul to be saved every single day. In a year when 365 souls had been saved, John Hyde increased that by faith to two souls to be saved every day. The following year, after 730 souls had been saved, John Hyde increased his prayer to four souls a day. And God gave him what he dared to ask for. John Hyde had learned how to pray big. He learned how to pray believing. And as a church, we're starting to pray. For one soul to be saved every Sunday. Maybe you've heard us praying on Wednesdays. And I encourage you to put that on your prayer list. Pray and ask God to lead one soul to Christ. Here at church or through the internet in their home. Or somehow, one soul would be saved every Lord's Day. Folks, we've handed out over the years tens and tens of thousands of of pieces of gospel literature. It's time for a harvest to begin. It's time to be asking God now to make sure His word doesn't return void, but to get some people saved. You say, but pastor, can we pray believing for little things too, or does it always have to be big things? No, you can pray for little things too. Pray believing. Josh McDowell, was born in 1939. He became a born-again Christian when he was a young man. He graduated and became a Christian writer, and he wrote the best-selling book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. If you don't have that book, you ought to get it. It's a Christian must-have. The book details actual proof for the authenticity of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. It's an unbelievably well-written book. But while Josh was attending Bible college in California, his father died and went home to be with the Lord in heaven. Now his mother had died some years before that. But Josh was not sure of her salvation. And it became a burden on his heart. And it bothered him. Is my mother in heaven? Is she in hell? I must know. Lord, show me, tell me. I don't think I can go on unless you show me. Where's my mother? Josh got in the car, drove to the ocean to get alone, to be away, to be alone. He walked out on the pier, and as he was walking, he saw there was a bunch of fishermen there, and there was an older lady sitting in a lawn chair fishing. And anyhow, he got out there and walked out there. The old lady turned to him and said, Where's your home originally? Where are you from? And Josh said, Michigan, Union City. Nobody's ever heard of it, but it's a suburb of, and right away, the old lady said, Battle Creek. Battle Creek, Michigan. And she said, I, I had a cousin from there. And, and the old lady asked him, did you ever know the McDowell family? And Josh, he was stunned. He said, I'm Josh McDowell. And then, then he says, I can't believe it. And the woman said, I can't believe it. And she said, I'm a cousin to your mother. I'm your mother's cousin. And Josh said, listen, do you remember anything about my mother's spiritual life? And the old lady said, why sure, your mom and I were just girls. We were teenagers. And there was a tent revival. An evangelist came to town, he had a big tent. And we went, and on the fourth night we both went and got on our knees and gave our hearts to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord, said Josh McDowell, and all the fishermen are stunned what just happened. Here we can see his burden, his fervency in prayer, his believing that God could show him. You see, it can really happen, folks. And there's no reason why it can't happen to every one of us here today and everyone watching over the internet. There's no reason why it can't happen. The question it comes down, you see, the most powerful of God's promises, I think, we're going to find, or at least one of the most powerful of God's promises we're going to find is this one we looked at today in Mark 11:24. 24. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray... Believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Prayer, believing, receiving, and ye shall have them. Now, it's all a matter of believing what God has promised. That's it. And that's why Jesus said to us in Matthew 29, sorry, Matthew nine twenty-nine. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. The apostles all learned it. Josh McDowell learned it. John Hyde learned it. Stanley Tam learned it. John Knox learned it. Tens of thousands of Christians have learned it. The question is, have we learned it? Because I'll tell you right now, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, all the promises of God in Him, that's in Jesus, are yea, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God by us. That means we are to take advantage of those promises. I have in my prayer closet at home a number of prayer requests and beside each one I have a prayer promise upon which I can stand and say God I'm standing on your holy word you promised this and I am not leaving Lord I mean I'm not quitting until you give me what it is I'm praying for. You say does it work? It sure does. That's how God designed it. It's nothing of my own. I ask you, what big thing are you starting to pray for? That's what I'm asking you. What are you praying for? Do you believe God can do it? Because according to your faith, be it unto you. If you don't believe God can do it, then you're right. He won't. If you believe God can do it, then you're right. He will. It's all up to us, folks. And on our invitation, which is just one minute, our invitation, I want you to come and I want you to talk to God about your prayer life and I want you to ask God to increase your faith and I want you to ask God to show you the promises in the Bible so you can stand upon them and claim the promises of God. Quickly, if you're here today and you've never received God's greatest promise, the promise of eternal life, then you need to believe what God says. Believe when he says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Believe when he says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Believe when he says that in hell he lift up his eyes. Believe that it says that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Believe it when he says he's knocking on your heart's door. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. Believe God's promise and be saved today. It's your choice. Would you stand with me now? You've been so good and kind and patient. I know we've gone a little over time. I'm sorry, but listen, this is worth it. We're going to bow our heads and pray. And I want to encourage you on our invitation. Step out from where you're standing and come. And get on your knees the best you can and ask God to increase your faith. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity we've had in the house of the Lord today. And to be able to talk about one of the most important things for a Christian. And that's to be able to pray believing. Father, increase our faith. Bless your people as they come. And I pray, Father, that very quickly we would start hearing of some answers to prayer. Because of it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for watching the message today.